0: Hey guys, before we get started, I just want to let you know that we recorded this episode live, and as a result, there are a couple live swear words. So if you're listening with kids, you might want to put on your headphones. From eBay and Gimlet Creative, welcome to a live taping of Open for Business. I'm John Henry, and we're coming to you live from Stubbs Barbecue in Austin, Texas. We're recording this episode as part of eBay's Boot Camp for Business at South by Southwest. (laughs) This season, we've brought you lots of stories and lessons about building a business from the ground up. A big part of building a business is hiring, and then creating a workplace culture where your team members want to stay and grow with you. So maybe you're a business of one, and you're thinking about making your first few hires. Or maybe you're a team of 20 trying to double your staff to meet new demand. Whatever your situation, how you hire can impact who you hire. And who you hire impacts your company culture in a big way. So today, we're going to be talking about how to create a company uh, where people want to work and then scale that culture as your company grows. Joining me here on stage in Austin is Patty McCord. She's the former chief talent officer at Netflix and a legend in her field. Patty is a big influencer in hiring. Her approach to creating culture has helped change the way people work in Silicon Valley. She helped grow Netflix from a couple dozen employees to a couple thousand by the time she left. Now she's principal of Patty McCord Consulting. Thanks for joining us, Patty.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Also with us is Jerry Kalana, entrepreneur and investor turned executive coach Jerry's started lots of businesses. Some have been hugely successful, and some have failed. He's also been an investor. He's a co-founder at Flatiron Partners, one of the original tech venture capital firms in New York City. Today, Jerry's taking what he's learned as an entrepreneur and investor and teaching CEOs how to be better leaders through his executive coaching firm, Reboot. Welcome, Jerry.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having us.
0: Certainly. And rockstar entrepreneur, Corey McFadden. She's the founder of eDrop Off, a luxury consignment store based in Chicago. Corey founded her company in 2004 on eBay and has grown from a one woman operation to now 28 people and has bootstrapped, bootstrapped it to be a multi million dollar business. Thanks for joining us, Corey.
3: Thanks for having me. Hi, everyone.
0: All right. And with that, Patty, I want to start with you. Okay. Common pitfalls in, in hiring. You've hired more folks than probably anyone in this room. Um, So as it relates specifically to small and growing teams, what are the most common pitfalls that folks make when they're hiring?
1: Their friends, (laughs) 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 their neighbors, uh, whoever's can fog a mirror and is willing to work for you. you know, I think I, I often coach people and say, there's three things you want when you we start hiring early in a business. You want people who work really hard, because it's hard work doing this stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, and you want people who will do really hard work that really matters for your customers that you can afford. And you want them to believe. And the belief is probably a full 30% of it, because all new businesses are weird ideas, Mm. right? I mean, if it was like a natural thing that somebody would have thought of, they would have already thought of it. Exactly. So that belief in what you're doing is really critical to being successful quickly Mm. instead of just getting the work done, but believing in the success of the business.
0: Jerry, you're an executive coach. Mm -hmm. You teach business, you teach CEOs Mm -hmm. uh, how to be better leaders. One of them's in the room. Mm So, I know your thing is all about authentic leadership and intentional leadership. Can you tell us, like, what does that mean and and why is that important?
2: Well, you know, to follow on Patty's point, especially if you're doing a startup, people are coming, people have a million choices uh, in terms of, of whether or not they want to work for you, whether or not they want to work hard for you. And so having that belief is super important. And I'm not so sure it's about intentionality as much as it is about authenticity. We want to believe in people who are actually real. And telling the truth is a core component of being real. And it's scary because you're worried that if I tell the truth that this odd thing that I just started, I'm gonna, I'm gonna create a, a consignment shop where people can drop off their goods for me to sell later on. And by the way, I don't have any idea whether or not it's gonna work. And please take a pay cut in order to come work for me. Right? If, we te- if, we f- if We feel like if we tell the truth to that, then all of a sudden, we're not gonna have any employees. But the opposite is actually true. Because then I can step into that situation and say, wait a minute, in a world where I can't trust a lot of my leaders, that person over there, I can trust that person. And trust is that missing component. Trust is that currency that makes the difference.
0: So when Patty mentioned belief, are you then saying that in order to build that belief, it stems with just being, being honest?
2: Being real. And, and the first person you have to be honest with is yourself, wow. because too many folks who are starting a business are so afraid that they don't even tell the truth to themselves. Mm. For example, okay, get ready to bleep me out. How many people are willing to admit that they don't have a fucking clue as to how to do the job? <laughs> right. And, and, and I'll tell you, I've made this joke many, many times, and everybody laughs. Well, if everybody's laughing, why are we pretending that we're not making it up every single day? Now, you're making it up every single day, now go to work. Come on, you got
1: work to do, and it's okay. I, can I tell a Netflix yeah. story? Yeah. So I remember somebody we had made some horrible management error. We, I, we thought something was going to happen, and it just didn't. We were wrong, and one of the employees said to me, uh, "Excuse me, Patty, but why didn't management see this coming?" And I said, "Cause we make this shit up." <laughs> 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 you know, if we could look to another company that was trying to invent what we we're we'd copy them. We would. We we're not afraid. It was just we're just making it up.
0: How, uh, in my experience, like being. Being okay with being vulnerable has been such a huge part in like, building um, influence and just trust in the staff. Like, is that, does that tie into th- that honesty?
2: Well, yeah, if I can jump in on that. I, yes, because if, if, right, imagine yourself, you're working in an organization. We've all worked there, and the leaders are liars. You know, though. I mean, we even sometimes end up politically led. By people who are lying, and uh, we're sort of sitting there, and we're all in a room, and we're all in this collective like delusional state. And the leader is sort of sitting there saying, "We're going to go this way, and this is where it's going to happen." And right, Patty, you, you, you're sitting there going, "Bullshit." Yeah. Right. Everybody knows it's not going to work, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but we all collectively get along with it, right? So there's that scenario. Then there's the scenario that we're, where the leader stands up and says. I don't know. I am unsure, but I believe and I have faith. Who do you want to work for? Who do you want to work
0: with? Corey, I've been to your shop. It's hustling and bustling in there. You got 28 people. Yeah. What do you do to keep them incentivized to just come to work every day and grow with you?
3: Well, when I started my company, um, I was 22. It was me, myself, and I. And kind of to piggyback off of what you guys were saying, like I had no idea what the hell I was doing. I remember I had this idea that I was going to redefine consignment. And it was this light bulb went off in the middle of the night. I was going to school for fashion design. Literally went to school the next day and I was like, this is what I'm going to do. And my program director said like, that's the worst idea I've ever heard. And I was like, sweet, you just fueled me. Like I'm gonna go do it. And that was like (laughs) what got me going. (laughs) And creating that culture, has changed dramatically as the team has grown. Because in the beginning, it was I was motivated, I was ready, I was lit, and I could get those people with me when you have a team of five and you guys are all there hustling towards that dream. But as it expands and as kind of the workplace has shifted. I mean, we all kind of heard about millennials and kind of touch on that, which we won't get into right now. Mm -hmm. But I can say that these last two years for me have been a huge learning experience and kind of redefining the culture in the company and what keeps everyone motivated.
0: So what does keep everyone motivated?
3: So for us, um, we've kind of tried a variety of things. we have tried things such as you meet X, Y, and Z metrics and you're working towards a free flight this quarter. So we did one a couple quarters ago that you got at $1,000 to American Airlines and basically you got a free flight, you meet X, Y, and Z metrics, as well as you are recognizing other people in the workplace for something good they have done for you or another and you would give them an entry every month. So it's kind of getting everyone integrated in different departments. It didn't work for us, it failed. Sometimes you have to pull back, reset, and remind everyone why we're doing this and not let kind of their reaction discourage you. Mm -hmm. You're like, okay, we just need need a reset here. We need to re-educate everyone. Something that's worked particularly well for me because I am a small business, I've got around 30 employees, I don't have huge corporate dollars, I can't have a lactation room and smoothies and uh, bean bags and all these other things you kind of hear going around. Good for everyone that works in that environment. Um, But we have done continuing education, which has been a big one for us, and giving them a stipend that they can use for the 12-month period, and you tell me what you want to go do. So if you want to go to a leadership class or you want to go fine-tune your Photoshop skills, whatever it is, you tell me falls in your stipend, we pay for you to go continue your education in that way, and it's worked really well because they are kind of picking what they want to do, they are mastering their skill sets, they're bringing it back into my environment, but it's for the employee. Like I, we were in a meeting the other day, I was like, "This education stipend is for you. I can't take your brain from you when you leave. I'm not in those classes getting that myself. It's for you," and investing in that way has worked really well for us Hmm. um, and giving them the freedom to kind of choose what they want to do and then they come back and they're motivated and they tell everyone else about what they learned and it's it's also pushed me out of the box to continue my education and to not stay in that box and to continue learning. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Patty, you consult now. Mm -hmm. If any one of these folks here that have, let's say, a small business and they come to you and they say, hey, consult us on what are the best hiring practices for a small but growing team. what would you tell them if you can leave them with nuggets?
1: Well I want to first comment off Corey's comment sure. and I love what you did and you met people where they are in that stage of their career. I'd say look the millennial thing you know you're a millennial I was a millennial you know when it's called early in your career. what do you want everything when do you want it now? <laughs> but, but, you, right now. but you know that you have to learn some stuff to get through so that's great that you made it there um, and I'll throw out something that was controversial that I did at Netflix that I want you to really consider and you may want to create a company that's a great place to be from And so what you want to do is you want to make sure that whenever your employees are with you that they gain something that they didn't have before they walked in the door Mm -hmm. and so that you create um, something that people can take with them. And Jerry and I were talking earlier about we know what that is. It's called doing amazing thing with other amazing people and creating something that matters, right? right? So here's my advice for hiring. First, look out a little bit. If you can look out six months in your business, do. If you can look out three months, do. And say to yourself, if I created a team that was unbelievable, what would be occurring then that's not occurring now? You can write down all your numerals if you have them. Metrics are really important. I'm going to have this many more customers. I'm going to have this much more revenue. I'm going to sell this many more things. But tell me what's different and then make a movie of it. Do you have a bigger warehouse? Do you have meetings every week? Are people contributing when they're not contributing? Are they hands down? What does it look like when I walk through my team that's doing this amazing thing? Okay, you got that in your head now? You're all movie producers. Now you say, okay, in order for that to happen, what would people need to know how to do? Like they might need to be able to go to a customer that they don't know before and make a good impression. Or they may need to create a spreadsheet that's accurate and on time, right? (coughs) Whatever those things are. And then you drop down and you say, okay, what kind of skills and experience would it take for somebody to know how to do that in order to accomplish that? And then, and only then, who do you got? And if that person is you then you need to know what you're great at and what you're not great at. And so that you constantly hire for that delta. And that's my best hiring advice. And then when you go to hire somebody, you're not hiring them because they have three to five years progressive experience in spreadsheet manipulation. You're hiring them to solve that problem. And if you start with the problem that you want to solve, you're much more likely to hire somebody, A, who you might not have considered before. The other trap you get is, I need somebody else. I need them to be just like me. And then you turn around, there's 15 of you. And there's nobody that knows how to do anything none of you know how to do. So that's where, and when you say, I just want somebody to solve that problem, then sometimes somebody you'd never expect sits in front of you and you're like, well, you might could actually pull this off. Mm-hmm. I I might take a chance on that. So, but knowing the problem first enables you to make a better hire.
0: Corey, what'd you what'd you do when you were hiring?
3: Oh, then versus now is completely different. <laughs> um, but the biggest thing I've learned with hiring is that you don't make excuses for people early on, because a lot of times what you'll do is you have that need that you need to fill, and you'll be like, oh, they're A, B, C. But D, oh, I don't know. If they show their true colors in the beginning, take it for what it's worth, it's not going to change. It's just like any other relationship, like, oh, I'll change him, I'll change the way he dresses. Like, no, he's dressing the same way 12 years later. It's the same thing. You have to recognize that. And so for us, it's not make ex- excuses. And if something's not working, don't be scared to cut it off. Because a lot of times what you'll do is you become invested in your employees. They are your extended family. And what What you'll do is someone is underperforming. It's negatively impacting the business. You try to work through it. Maybe you try to change their position in some way. It's just not working. You have to cut it. Instead of being like, well, they have two kids and she's this and that, or he's this and that. If it's not working, you got to make it. And I've done it. I've been guilty of it. And now that I have kind of gotten that extra layer to me that if it's not working, I cut it. It's so much healthier, not only for me, my company, but also for that individual, because they can't grow in that environment sure. if that's that's where they're at. I want to
0: I want to get more into firing in a minute, um, <laughs> right. Jerry. I'm I want to hear from you uh, specifically around building loyalty.
1: Mm.
0: What? How do you do that? How do you build loyalty?
2: Well, I'll actually follow on to what they're. What Patty and Corey have both said. I think to do what they've both laid out requires you to answer the questions yourself first, which is what kind of company do I want to grow? Um, A question I often ask people is what kind of adult do I want to be? Because none of us feel like adults, even the old people up here. Um, What do I want to grow into? What are the things that are important? What don't I know? What are the things that I do that get in the way of me actually being able to hire the right person or fire that person? And that knowing oneself, to get to your point, creates a sense of trust. And that's what people are loyal to. People are not loyal to dollars. People will need to take care of themselves. They need to feel safe and they need to feel well compensated and they feel, need to feel acknowledged. And they feel, need to feel that they belong. That is all true. But the loyalty comes to the human beings that they go to work with every day. And if you're not showing up as a human being, then they're gonna be loyal to the next human being who shows up.
0: Mm. You think every, every person, despite like their natural tendencies or DNA is capable of becoming that leader that builds loyalty and trust?
2: I think every single person is capable of being a human being, and uh that does not mean that every single person is capable of leading exceptionally well. But not everybody has to be the best in the room at every single job right you know I don't think it was recorded, but when you introduced yourself, you introduced yourself as the child of immigrants, okay. I'll say out loud, I'm the grandchild of immigrants. That's a, something I'm deeply proud of. Now think about how you're feeling about that. Oh, this guy's a human being, that guy's a human being. I'll follow you, I'm interested in you now, who are you? That's loyalty.
0: Wow. <laughs> so, sounds like loyalty stems from first being honest with yourself. Yes. And I know when I was growing my company, it was bugging me in the back of my mind when I knew that there was a person who was on my team who was not, they just didn't belong on the team. Um, And not because they uh, were ill-intentioned or even incompetent, it's just not the right fit at this particular time to solve this particular problem. And it's actually one of, it's probably the most uncomfortable thing that I've had to do as an entrepreneur is let someone go, especially when, I think it's more severe personally, when their livelihoods are depending on it and they have folks that depend on them. Yes. Patty?
2: So, wait, no. Do you mind? No. I'm going to coach him. (laughs) I want you to hold on to that moment. Okay. Okay. It is in that moment where who you are as a leader is made or broken because you can go deep and you can say i made the mistake in hiring this person i made a mistake in not laying out for this person what the expectations are i made the mistake because i you're the only you 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 could fog a mirror so i hired you so i have a responsibility to tell the truth first to myself then to you and not hold you in the place that you don't belong because you have kids, but to terminate you, to fire you in a way that preserves your humanity and mine as well. Did I say it well?
3: Oh my God, we're
1: separated at birth. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I want to say a couple of things about this. I am the queen of the good goodbye, and I'm really good at saying goodbye, and I'm really proud of it. And I can teach you how to do it, and Jerry just laid it out for you. If you hired somebody who's not competent, you own that. Amen. Okay? That's not their fault. They didn't do anything bad. You got it wrong, right? One of the things that you can do when you hire somebody who has like four out of the five things is say, you know, you have four out of the five things, I'm a little nervous. We're gonna try it, it's an experiment, We're to it's a risk we're gonna both take, and if you lay out the risk at the beginning, yeah. then six months later when it turns out that was a really stupid idea to hire somebody with four out of five, you can go, you know, we both gave it a good try, okay? That's so, so
0: simple and it's so effective. Okay,
1: second, really competent people that match who you wanna hire rarely suddenly become incompetent. Okay, And they don't wake up one morning and go, you know, my boss is an asshole. I think I'll go screw the company. Doesn't happen ever, right? What happens is the business changes. So one of the crazy things that'll happen if you start to add employees and your business takes off is that you'll be successful. And that successful company will operate very differently than that idea you had that might or might not work. And so very often, so I usually say once you've got an idea that it's actually going to work and you start to hire people, if you become successful, your problems change. So early stage companies, their problems are of difficulty. You just work hard. You can solve them by working on, not that, not that, not that, right? You just make a bunch of mistakes. Mm -hmm. Then your problems become either problems of complexity or scale. And problems of complexity and scale are solved by different kinds of people. So on scale, I say, you know, most of us can imagine like five times bigger than what we're working on, maybe 10, but you can't imagine 100 unless you've seen 50, you just can't,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: right? So now it's not that the person who's only seen 10x is failing, they just don't know, right? So my rules of termination are, you can't be surprised and you keep your dignity. That's it. You can't be be surprised, right? Right. This person, if you had hired them and said, I'm looking for five qualities, you only have four. Let's see how that goes they're gonna know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? If you've ever been in that situation, like, you know, I got fired, it came out of nowhere. Well, that wasn't fair, and you didn't have a very good leader. Well,
0: what, what about some, some pushback here? What if I bring on a person who yeah. meets only X criteria, and I say, hey, we're gonna try this. Mm-hmm. What about the risk of creating a culture where they're afraid of being let go of because they know up front that maybe they're not a good fit is that an invalid concern
1: it's how you handle it as you go along with the experiment um and it is what you do it's not what you say uh but those lessons are lessons for everybody to learn and you should be able to talk about them that also leads to your authenticity we hired jerry and he's a great guy we all loved him this happens all the time Like, I'd I'd sit around with my managers after we'd do an interview, and they'd be like, do you love that guy? I'm like, totally love him. He's hysterical. I want to have beers with him, like, now. (laughs) You you know he can't do the job. (laughs) Like, I mean, I do love him. You love him. We all love him. He's just not competent for the job we have to do. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm worried that we're going to set him up to fail. Sure. And that, so, you know, and, and then when it does happen, then I can sit down and go, okay, let's not do that again. Right, let's not make that same mistake like we did with Jerry, because then sure. we all felt bad about it. And, right, so it's a learning experience. Hiring is something you get better at. It's practice, practice, practice. And the honesty of learning from when you get it right and when you get it wrong. Right. You know, and we're, we're, that's the problem with firing you know you focus on like the the goodbye instead of the wow what do we learn from that experience that helps us do better next time exactly right how do we what have we learned about who's really successful for us right uh, netflix for us it was results like we hired amazing people that just couldn't deliver and we were always disappointed and for, after you know a couple of years i would be like how do we know how do we interview for results Right. This is so critical to us. We've hired so many brilliant people who just can't deliver on time with quality and our time frames were really short. So it became something that we got better and better and better and better at over time because that particular attribute was really important to us.
0: Mm. Wonderful. I um, have one question for you guys and then I want the audience to jump in and ask some questions as well. Um, what can you guys name? We can do a round robin here. Can you name a person or a company that you feel is doing a great job at getting this right?
2: I mean, aside from eBay and Gimlet?
3: <laughs> eBay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Corey, you want to start?
3: L'Oreal, I think, has, is an old company that has stayed true to their roots and continues to empower women, which I love that, to see them over time evolve in that way but still keep that intact, sure. which I think is great. Um, Orby Parker is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I, we talked about in the car earlier too. Sure. I think that they are a machine and you walk in there and you feel it and it, it creates an emotion in you when you're yeah. in that space, which is huge. But what makes you loyal to something is what I look at. Because I'm sensitive, I'm a sensitive shopper. When I'm online, like if I don't like the aesthetic of something, I'm like eh, if you make me sign up for your newsletter but I wanna see what's behind it, I'm out, Let me show me someone else that will. So kind of recognizing the way that you are and what is it that you gravitate towards and what do you like? And then reflecting on what you're doing and are you offering that as well in what you're doing?
0: Hmm. Jerry, who do you think is nailing culture right now? I, um, <clears throat> I don't think that
2: I can answer that question with this company nails it every time. Right. Be- because I think that uh, um, it's just too amorphous and it's too dynamic. And there have been terminations that ha- that I have been a part of. Um, that have gone super well and, and, and there have been terminations that are awful that I have been a part of and I have seen. And I've got client companies who get this right and I've got client companies who don't get it right and I have client companies who predominantly get it right and then screw it up. And I think that's just the humanity of being a leader.
1: Yeah, and I'd say, I, I, I could go off for an hour on the term best practices because the part of the problem with modeling yourself after somebody that you think is doing it right Mm -hmm. is they may be doing something right that's not what you're doing. Mm. And so that's why Jerry and I are having such a hard time because we work with so many companies. It's like, yeah, you know, we both have worked with Warby Parker. We both think they do lots of things really great. And, you know, they can use some help on some other stuff too. Um, But what a great story Warby Parker is. So if you want to be inspired by a quirky idea that they made real in a crazy way, Mm -hmm. Warby's a great example of that What I loved about Corey's answer was She didn't just say, I like L'Oreal She said, because they have this They hold this value, they empower women They've been consistent to it over many decades So, you know, it's more like search it out And then we've fallen in love with lots of companies that didn't make it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and in some ways, it's like watching that same failure rise up again, the people that are involved and do mm. learn from that and yeah. do something different. So those are other things sure. to watch, right? Sometimes uh, observing a failure is as important as observing a success.
0: Sounds like culture is deeply personal then.
1: Yeah. And I mean, back to just what I just said, f- success is predicated on failure many, many, many times. So when you go to the company that you admire, trust me, it wasn't always, you know, (laughs) it was not roses, it was not roses.
0: Let's take some questions from the audience. We have a microphone going
1: around. Thank you, I'm happy to take the first question. What's your name? Um, My name is Glenn Robertson, and uh, I wanted to know what your comments are on equity sharing in the framework of um, a great company, culture, loyalty, that sort of thing, how would you approach equity sharing? Well, it means different things at different stages of a company. Uh, In the early stage, sometimes it's a good way for people, members of the team, to feel bought into the team. I believe that it's a bad idea to think of it as a retention tool because the truth is that 100,000 times zero is still zero. So particularly when you are sharing equity of something that doesn't exist, you're actually not sharing anything. Right, you're betting on the come.
0: That's the first time I've ever heard anyone say that equity or options don't do a good job at helping. I think they do a
1: great job of people believing and hoping for the the right outcome. Mm -hmm. But I'm saying that, you know, one of the downsides of doing it early on as a really important part of your compensation is that you may handcuff people to stay that you don't want to stay. So I mean I've done equity in the Silicon Valley for thirty years and I think a lot of the schemes just don't work. But in early stage companies it allows you to feel like you have participation in the enterprise.
0: We have another question up here in the front. I'm Michael. And one of the things like personally that I've experienced there's been more of a reliance on like digital submissions and things like that, as opposed to physically going in and speaking with someone. But I feel like you learn so much more from actually interacting with someone. And so I guess my question is how much do you guys think that you should rely on physically going out and meeting people? It's
1: like any other flow. So uh, the one thing I would caution, tell you all about, about culture, about hiring, about anything, all the things we're talking about, these are just business processes, right? So it's just like marketing. So you want to get leads somewhere, right? So digital will get you candidates or, you know, candidates that are in the ballpark. Um, I say, you know, utilize the next part of technology, uh, digital interviewing, Skype, FaceTime, you know, seeing somebody else's face is really helpful. Use that as much as you can for your second round of interviews, right? You can make them short and sweet, but there is literally, I there's no substitute for sitting in the room with somebody and watching their body language. And, you know, I do all of my interviews with one question. I just start with a good one. Oh, I see that you're part of the team that delivered. You, you're the guy that delivered that product. Really? Yeah, I didn't, You're not in charge of it, so you were... How many people were... 400. Okay. And um, your part in it was what? Help me understand what 1 400th of delivering that product was, right? And people tell you crazy shit. <laughs> 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 Interviewing is listening.
0: Jerry, you want to jump in yeah, there?
2: Yeah, and actually, to 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 Patty's point about listening, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I think one of the tools that we don't often use often enough is to listening to our own self as the person is speaking. Meaning, how is your body reacting to this person? How are you excited? Are you leaning in and want to hear more, or are you pulling back, going, "When is this person going to shut up?" What do you, what's happening for you as you're having that experience? Because chances are that's what your colleagues are going to respond to this person you've just hired. Chances are that's what your customers are going to feel. And so a really powerful tool to tune into yep. is your
3: own heart and to piggyback on that, it's it's learning how to truly trust your gut. Like we all have it, but that takes a ton of self-reflection. And so when you go through a difficult situation, like truly sitting down, weighing that, recognizing your feelings throughout that process, and then you're more intuitive to recognize them the next time around with something else. And you have to continue to grow as an individual. It's a lot of reflection, it's a lot of hard feelings. Get a therapist, it works really well. Like you have to have someone that you can truly speak to and sometimes just hear yourself say it and be in a state that you're you're willing to take that in.
0: We're gonna take one more question. You have the mic. I really wanna squeeze you in because my gut feeling is just telling me to do it. <laughs> so, so can, Perhaps if we do rapid fire here, like we can get them both in. Okay. My name is Sonny. Um, what are your thoughts on contract workers like Uber? How do you create um, that passion and loyalty in a contract workforce?
1: Well, I, I think there's, uh, you have a lot of cards to play as a hiring person, uh, and you've got to kind of get away from the idea that there's a hierarchy of goodness of employees and a hierarchy of intelligence right? The CEO is the smartest guy and the next people are the executives and the next people are these people and the regular full-time people are the best. And then there's there's consultants and there's uh, people like us, right? Who charge a fortune and are they really worth it? And they come in and they do something and they walk away. Then there's those contractors that you hire to do a job and then they finish it and then you get rid of them. And then there's those lowly temporary workers. They're all cards in your deck. Right. And just use them whenever you need them. You know, the contractor is a great one. Right. So contractor, you should hire contractors when you want to build something and then have it be done like my garage. Right. I don't need them to come rebuild my kitchen when they finish with my garage. That's a good way to think. And you and when I hire a contractor to build my garage, I want somebody to do a fabulous job of that. I don't want them to stay forever, I just want them to do that. So think of them in different ways. So there's a, loyalty gets spread all over and you know, people, Uber's a great example. I wish they had, Jerry and I were just talking about this this morning. I wish they hadn't ruined what was a great way for people to find a way into the workforce on their terms. I had an Uber driver tell me one time, I'm an entrepreneur. My car is my business, Uber's my app. Wow.
0: Last question here, introduce yourself.
3: Hi, I'm Lauren and my question is, how do you measure the value of a potential new hire?
0: Corey, Jerry, Patty?
3: So I think um, everyone's different and everyone's personality is different. And so it's hard, like we work in a very open work environment. Everyone's kind of on the same floor within departments. And I like someone that is eager and I like someone that recognizes a mistake. That's a big deal to me. Um, I have a a new hire, it's her first 90 days. She is everything we've been looking for personality-wise on the client front end. And she made a huge mistake a couple weeks ago that shouldn't have happened, and I still can't quite figure out how it happened, but she came to me, she's like, basically like, I fucked up, I am so sorry. Like I could see it in her, I could feel it in her, And that meant more to me than someone that quietly works and appears to never make a mistake and I find it out later down the road when the impact is more detrimental. And being upfront and being honest, that's my biggest thing. That's what I look for, and we we are small. And so for us, an incentive is we promote from within. We hire you at an entry-level position, and we promote you as you grow and as the company grows. And that's what has worked for me and created a very solid core, as well as gives them an incentive of something bigger. Because when you don't have thousands of employees, it's not like, oh, you're gonna own the company in two years. Like, that's not, that's not our ladder. And so when you know that you come in and there is a place for you to possibly grow to management is an incentive for us um, to offer. And I just want honesty. I just want someone who's, who's honest.
0: Jerry or Patty, do you guys have thoughts on how you, like, I think we all agree that's incredibly important. How can you possibly measure that or the value of the employee in that initial interaction? Is that even possible?
2: I, I keep getting tripped up over the words, how do you value someone and how do you measure that? Um, I guess the question, and I like Corey's answer, what do you value? And does this ma- does this person align with who you are and the company you want to create?
1: I'll give you an example. Uh, somebody asked me one time in an interview, what would you fire me for? And I thought... At Netflix, and I thought, well, that's a good answer. That's a good question. Let's see. Um, Embezzlement, uh, dishonesty, you know, punch me in the nose. Oh, I know what. If we had done something and it didn't go well, and we were doing a review of what happened, and you said, oh, I knew that, but nobody asked me, I'd probably run you over in the parking lot, right? (laughs) Because we valued people who would say, "Whoa, you know, I don't you're making this decision without considering this and this and this and this and this, or, you know, like, do you realize like, so we very much valued people who would speak up before we started doing something with an apprehension. I mean, sometimes we go, that's a valid concern. We're going to do it anyway. You know, and and then that's what I used to say is like, have an opinion, take a stand and be right most of the time. You don't have to be right all the time when you make shit up, right? But, and, but if you're wrong all the time, eh. And I could care less about your opinion unless you're willing to take a stand. Because then you can see, then you know who to value because who you value are the people that over time take a stand and they're right.
0: Wow, how about a hand for these incredible panelists. That was executive coach Jerry Kalana, hiring consultant Patty McCord, and eDropoff founder Corey McFadden. They spoke with us live at South by Southwest. Open for Business is a co-production of eBay and Gimlet Creative. We're produced by Caitlin Boguki, Francis Harlow, RMW, Abby Ruzika, and Nicole Wong. Creative direction by Nazanin Rafsanjani. We were mixed this week by Austin Thompson. Special thanks to Molly Pakala from Edelman. This is our final episode of season two of Open for Business. If it's your first time hearing the show, we've got a bunch of other great episodes you should check out. We've got tips on everything from how to hire to how to finance your business to how to get customer service right. Subscribe to Open for Business on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download your podcasts. Find us on the web at ebaycom Open for Business. I'm John Henry.